Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. Jeremy, welcome to the show, my man. Hey there. How are we doing, Brad? Good, 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 good. So for the listeners, you're, you've kind of done it all. You and I have kind of a similar background. We help advisors see some success. You work with a ton of top-notch advisors all over the country. Why don't you give us a little bit of background here, and then we're going to get into all of your secrets about what the heck is working right now for marketing. <laughs> a lot of secrets, I guess. So yeah, we've been... So I've been blessed. I've been working with a company down here in Houston, Texas, and Shermark. We're actually a Simplicity company. We were purchased by Simplicity a little over five years ago. It's incredible to watch the growth amongst that model. Last year, in a, as a brand, we actually generated over $6 billion of fixed index annuities within our organization. We did north of $400 million of Target Life. So we're top two of the insurance distribution of annuities and life insurance. But what's been great with that relationship and now the 12 years of me being with InsureMark is none of the leadership change. It's been a fantastic ongoing relationship. They allow us to operate as if we were operating beforehand. But it's nice to have a mothership that large behind you. So we have a... Uh, the behemoth. Yeah, pretty much. We can go up to... Uh, <laughs> mommy and daddy and ask them, hey, this is actually an interesting resource. Y'all mind taking a look at this? And if we need to, we have capital that we could actually dip into if needed. Although we haven't really utilized that as much as we probably should, but for the most part, so our organization, we focus really on annuities, life insurance, asset-based long-term care. As of right now, we do have an RIA division as well, but for what I do with my advisors, I help develop them with a couple of pillars, really just running their business as business owners, really helping them out with maximizing their time, being efficient of marketing strategies, how to scale, how to staff up their business. But most importantly too, not to forget on the insurance side, how to recommend certain products and give them the right resources at point of sale to convert prospects to clients. So hopefully that was a good overview for you. I love it, man. And you know, my ears perked up when you said marketing. So you're working with Mm -hmm. some really significant advisors across the country. We'd love to hear what are they doing correctly and what should we be doing? So what are they doing correctly? They have multiple spokes. So it depends on the advisor I'm speaking with on how si the sizable uh, advisor firm. Because I mean, we work anywhere from the one man, the one woman shop, all the way to the RIA firm that has multiple advisors. So it really... Get, gets back to really what their goals are. Are they looking to have two to three offices and staff up? Most of our advisors, most advisors that work with me, they might be a one or two man team, and then they might have all in maybe five people in the office itself. So on the marketing side, what we really like to focus on is it comes down to the bottom line of production. So if an advisor for our stance. And really every year I do these annual reviews with my producers. And basically at the end of the year, if they did, let's just say 
10 million dollars of annuity business so fixed index annuity business not considering assets under management we use that as the uh, 1% rule so if the marketing that you're utilizing if you've done 10 million dollars of annuity business then your marketing budget is probably somewhere around the range of $100,000 of marketing so if that's the case then that means you're probably doing multiple things it can be live seminars. It can be possibly radio. We've really expanded a lot in the last three years. We started in 2019, but 2020 really catapulted us into virtual webinars and doing virtual appointments, really expanding an advisor's duration of our demographic of who they're talking to. So a lot of my advisors now are working with customers all across the country, no longer just within a hundred mile radius, which has actually expanded them to where now they're able to be more efficient with their time doing a virtual, like we're doing right now, doing yeah. a virtual appointment. It's amazing. If you get really good with that process, that advisor's appointment process could be literally within 45 minutes to an hour. And within two appointments, you're already gaining trust and credibility. If you follow the right systems to where customers who are five States away, they're no longer just working with the best guy in town. They're working with the best advisor that they can possibly find in the country. So let's get into the details of that a little bit. If you, cause I recently caught one of the, your podcast episodes and you're talking to an advisor that does virtual appointments. He's seeing some real success on it. I've talked to dozens of other advisors that hate it. They, they need the handshake or they, they feel they need the handshake. They have a, mm-hmm. you know, they have their process down and they're having a hard time adapting it to virtual. You know, I've, I've, can't tell you how many times I've heard no one's going to give me a $500,000 check for an annuity over zoom. Right. So, but you have guys doing it. So what does that look like? Where would you start with modifying that process? Well, to start and it's a, it's a mind shift. So not to say doing stuff in person, my advisors are still doing that, but they can run two parallels. So you can start to brand yourself online For starters, you have to make sure that you have a digital footprint. What I mean by that is you have to have some form of website that makes it to where it's more about your story, the experience, the customer is looking to really just gravitate to. Because as we talk about with our advisors that might do virtual webinars or just virtual appointments in general, we're in the entertainment business now. Because I mean, at the end of the day, if you really think about it, you're doing a webinar at 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. These people who are usually baby boomers that are typically in front of the TV at that time, they're now watching you on screen. So, I mean, you're the entertainment business now. So basically they're going to go to you. They want to go, all right, now who is this person? And they want to leave that webinar thinking, do I think I can trust that individual? And from there, do I think he has my best interests in mind? I mean, those are the two boxes you really have to check off in order for that individual to make the next step and make that appointment with you. But what goes now, it's beyond just doing the webinar. People think that you can bring the live world into the virtual world and do your presentation. I hate to tell you, but there's no smell in the cookies. There's no Coke that your assistant can hand them in the waiting room, make them feel special. So what you do with that digital footprint, 
is that's where our advisors leverage websites. So they leverage a website. They got to have vlogging. They have to have credibility. If they have radio shows, that's great. A lot of my advisors have radio shows. They now do podcasting. So the podcasting is just consistent messaging where you are just as an advisor, think of it. You do a podcast episode like we're doing here. This is here forever within 25 minutes. Advisors say the same thing over and over and over. Why would they not go ahead and just do a podcast episode on objection number one, or what's it like becoming a client? And then from there, that's an episode that you can leverage in between your appointments to get that customer an additional 25 minutes of your brand in their downtime of when they're driving their car. So just little steps along the way, but that's, I would say you got to start your digital footprint first before you even start to go into, let's just put a webinar on the books and let's see if we can close some business. Yeah. What's interesting is your prospects at a seminar, they're probably paying attention to you, right? They're sitting in front of you. They don't have their phone out where they're listening to you talk. You know, Jeremy's talking for 10 minutes and here I am, you know, doing Mm -hmm. things. Probably not, right? But when you're sitting at home and you're doing a webinar, they probably are. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can get them captivated and there's ways to do that, right? Polls, engagement, ask questions, even open-ended questions just to get them clicking, paying attention, picturing themselves in those scenarios. But They also have this, okay, this part doesn't apply to me. I have 10 minutes while he's talking about that. I'm going to go on Facebook and look this person up. I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to look for their website. And you have to have something there. I totally agree. One of the, one of the things that you mentioned there is, is podcasting. And I know you're good friends with Matt Halloran as am I, and he is just the wizard at podcasting and coincidentally does both your podcast and I podcast, my podcast through his, Mm -hmm. um, proud mouth service. But the cool thing about podcasting, what they do so well is the content multiplication. Because you and I are going to sit here, we're going to talk for a half an hour and you you nailed it. People will listen to that in their downtime, right? Their private time when they're usually alone, when they're driving in their car, they're running on the treadmill. They're just in a different state of mind and they're letting you in. That's some real personal time that you're getting an audience. But what you can also do and what we'll do with this is you chop up the videos into two little two minute bites. You throw some captions on it. Now you got all your social content for the month. You grab the transcript, you turn it into a blog. Now you have new blog content on your website. The ability to take 25 minutes out of your day, record a podcast Mm -hmm. and then turn it into a month worth of content. That's the real power behind it. You can send out a blog. You can send out the episode. You can send out a video. And all of that is done in that same 25 minutes. Spot on. And I mean, every, so the last six years or so, we at InsureMark, I really like to share best practices. I put like-minded advisors together, advisor mentorship program. That's what my advisors group has been. And the number, there's two things, every one of these advisors. So I always ask them, what do you want to work on? And the number, the two, number one, number two things that they always say at the end of it, majority of those advisors, it's, I want to leverage my time better and I want to be more organized. And so whenever you start to realize that your money, if you're, as you're doing your own business, and this isn't just insurance, this is literally anything different, different jobs that you're doing out there, but it's all about as you're making additional dollars, if you can expand and realize what is the value of your hour. So just putting a dollar amount on that, 
And there are certain tasks that you might have on your schedule that you just need to realize, you know what, I need to hire somebody to where if you're sufficient enough, if it's a $50 job or less, why am I spending time doing that as the rainmaker of the organization? I need to outsource that into somebody else so they can maximize our brand, continue on message. And that's really where Proudmouth, I mean, they do a fantastic job of just leveraging your time as you just articulated. So we do this podcast, they knock out all those additional things. But the most important thing, and this is why a lot of my advisors now utilize Proudmouth, they utilize, I mean, just just they have to start looking into how to maximize their time better because especially in the virtual world, the time of, I mean, it's not, hey, let's sit down with an appointment and then we're going to set another appointment in two weeks from now. In the virtual world, if your appointment isn't within five days of one another, it's treated as 30. It's crazy. The wow. amount of people that, because you got to remember too, with Facebook and all these digital companies, once they're on one of your webinars, Facebook doesn't have any parameters. I mean, they're all they're going to see is Joe Smith, who just listened to this ad. They signed up for XYZ. What do you think the next time he's on Facebook, what he's going to receive? Boom, 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 boom. It's the same different, it's different vendors, but now he's in the retirement zone. So all these different vendors are going to start marketing with one another. So with that said, how do you separate yourself once they finally get the chance to dialogue with you as an individual? And that's where you can't maximize your time. There's only so many phone calls you can do. That's where having the right digital footprint, podcasting, videos, blogs, making sure they type you up on Google, what actually shows up. That's very important in order to be successful in the virtual world. It makes total sense too, because when you start shopping online for anything, right? And then mm -hmm. you buy it, you don't buy it, doesn't matter. For the next month, you're going to get ads for that product, but from dozens of different vendors. And you're doing the same thing here when you're using digital and you're tracking somebody on Facebook, or in, even if you're not, if you're doing mailers and you're doing dinner seminars and all of that, you don't think that they're getting another mailer the next, the next week. So I really like that concept of, keep that second virtual appointment within five days. What do you see? Because I know we had talked before this and you said a lot of your advisors doing virtual appointments have a faster closing process than they do in person. I've always heard the opposite, right? Take your three minute process, move it to six because you have to build credibility. You have to, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to to work up the courage to push that button to to send all your money over over the big, scary internet, right? So what are your guys doing right that that's actually shortened the sales cycle? Credibility for one, you have to be confident. I mean, the screen doesn't lie. So you got to remember in person, there's no additional hate touch. And then if the wife isn't the first one speaking, getting her to be engaged first, ask the wife the questions before the mail. So you, there's certain things that you can take from the live world to the virtual appointment it's about process, but most importantly, it's not about their money. And that's where a lot of advisors screw up in the virtual world because instantly, boom, appointment set up. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, so what's in that account? How can I help you? And honestly, these people are very affluent. So if they're coming to you from the from Facebook, that means they're pretty tech savvy for the most part, or however our team is generating these individuals to get in front of you. 
It's interesting because majority of those people are anywhere from one to $3 million of net worth, which is ideal, the sweet spot for our space. So those are people that maybe their wirehouses might have forgotten over the years, or they're just looking for that personal connection. So you can't go into that personal connection and just start talking about money and tell me about this account that you have. You got to build a relationship. And so that's where our sales process helps out, where you're asking them certain questions and really, there's a, 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 it's almost like an art to strategically ask the right a question to a prospect to really get them to engage with the fact that, you know what, I, although, and most of these people, by the way, do already have advisors that are doing these virtual appointments. So you got to do a really art type of uh, dance when it comes to actually getting them to go ahead and wedge the gap a little bit between them and their advisor politely but figure out, you know, there's a reason why they're here. So they're there for a second opinion and you have to have not just building credibility, but you have to have the confidence and you have to have the authority really during the appointment to just challenge them. You have to challenge that prospect. If they say a certain thing, make them hold to it. So when they tell you in 2022, so how was that year for you? And they're like, oh, it was fine. I actually, I did pretty good. You know, that's a lie. It's a lie. So you yes. just you just gotta you have to have the confidence to like, no 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 of, don't 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 pick at that. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah it was no it was no, fine. no. Let's <laughs> stop there. Let's go back to twenty twenty two. The equity market was down twenty percent. The bond market was down thirteen. But you're telling me you did pretty well. So tell me, I, I love to be educated. What did your advisor do to make it to make sure that you didn't lose a penny in your investment accounts? Well, I didn't say that. Well, what define well? What's your standard? Okay. And what's really important in the virtual world for a note for all the advisors that might be listening to this is you have to get the customer to write stuff down. Because once whatever's written down on that pad, after that appointment, after that, they click that box on the Zoom link and they leave the conversation. Good luck. Because now they're just on to the next Facebook ad, whatever may happen. But you, if you get people to write down the crucial things during the appointment process and you get them to write down their truth, that's going to help expedite and speed up that credibility of you as the advisor, but also you're staying there with them. And then you're pointing them to episode four of your podcast, or you're pointing them to something else before the next time they speak with you. Once, once again, it's a process. It's not perfect, but you got to have a couple of key things, digital footprint, confidence, and then most importantly, you have to have a proven successful sales process to follow. What's interesting too is you said that you're going to be speaking with prospects that already have advisors. And I always mm -hmm. kind of, my brain goes immediately to the other side of that is, is if you're not willing to do this, you're not willing to get comfortable doing virtual appointments, doing webinars, any of that stuff that you will have your clients attend a webinar or somebody else's, you know? So it's, it's almost anything you're doing to co collect new prospects. You should also be running that same education, that same, information out to them and mm -hmm. what better way than a podcast than a, a podcast that breaks down into multiple content options so you can just constantly feed them then when they see the ad saying hey come join your the competitor down the streets webinar they're saying nah i just i just listened to jeremy's podcast on that i don't need to go to that course i don't need to talk to somebody he's got my stuff under control and you know ed slot always says something like you're you're Clients are still 90% prospects. And I totally agree with him on that, that you have to 
treat your top clients exactly like you would a prospect when it comes to the educational outreach and the information that you're providing them and all of that stuff. One thing I will note, if you guys are just listening to it, you're not watching it, you can't see this, but Jeremy's background is very strategic, right? He's got his He's got his little column out here on this. He's got a book up there. He's got golf balls, shows you he's got a little interest. He's got trophies. I don't even know what they're for, but he looks really successful. You know, he's got a amp. That's his podcast thing going on there. He's got pictures of looks like his wife and his family. So now he's a human being like all of that looks very natural, but it's also very strategic. And the fact that now I know a little bit more about him without him saying those things. That makes a lot of sense. Me, I have a movie poster here and then I have some art that I created and it's a little bit of a mess in my home office, but his is very pristine. And that stuff, those little things that you guys can do when you're doing podcasts, when you're doing webinars, when you're doing videos, throw that stuff in there and be very cognizant about it. You know, you don't want to look like Mm -hmm. you're in a in a closet or anything like that. And you want to have something on the walls, probably even better than I'm doing here, but for sure. But Jeremy's is looking really, really nice. So All right, let's kind of kick back to one of the things that you said earlier here, and we'll kind of maybe make this our last point. You said an advisor that does maybe $10 million in annuities, they should be setting aside $100,000 for a marketing budget. And to me, that makes perfect sense, right? Something pretty close to that anyways. And a lot of the top advisors I know, those first, I guess, until they hit that point where they don't aren't as aggressively growing anymore, those budgets can be two, three, four times that, right? Not that everybody has that, but how do you sit down running your business? Where do you put the importance of marketing when it comes to business costs? Yeah. So going back to, so who they are as a scalable practice. So that's why, so I like to use the threshold of like, if they did 10 million of annuities, so if they do, so smaller scale, if they did 5 million of annuities, their marketing budget might be $50,000 or so. So therefore someone with a $50,000 budget, if they were to do podcasting the right way, then that could easily end up being 24 to $30,000 of their marketing budget. So with the results of what podcasting would be over that term, they only have X amount of dollars to get in front of new prospects. So maybe podcasting is not going to be the best footprint for them. Therefore, maybe we shouldn't be looking virtual webinars at that size. So let's start looking at more instantaneous. Let's do live workshops. Let's do this, that, the other. So it depends on the scale of the advisor. So really the marketing budget and what my job is for my team is consistently going out there. I'm looking for new marketing opportunities for advisors, similar to what you're doing for your team. And then what it comes back to is as an advisor, and I don't know if your audience knows this or not, but there was a Sorelli report. I talked about this on Advisor Mentorship Podcast on our last episode. And literally over the next 22 years until 2045, there's going to be $84 trillion of wealth that's going to be multi-generational wealth that's going to be passed on. 72 trillion of that is going to heirs, a little over 11.9, 12 trillion will go to charities. But the importance of that and why that's significant is think of the age of that demographic. So how old are those people that are going to be receiving those assets? And if we're talking 15 to 20 years from now, if you're looking to be in the business, they're not getting their information through mainstream media. They're not getting their information through radio. Not saying none of that is going away, but just being very articulate of, okay, where's the puck going? So if we have all this wealth 
and all these individuals that are going to be receiving these accounts. And honestly, 72, it's like a staggering number. It's like 72% of people that are on Facebook during these virtual webinars are typically women. So, so women is really, and they're going to be the ones inheriting all this money as well. So they could be divorcees or they can be widowers or they can still be married, but they're the ones that are really going to control where this money's going. So if they're getting their information via online, as opposed to going to a dinner workshop where they can get a nice meal, not saying nothing wrong with that, but the odds of them being a little more standoffish and actually watching and tuning into a virtual webinar to build credibility with a potential advisor online, I'd say it's, at least in our view, it's been pretty successful for uh, going that route, but you got to have the right, it goes back to their marketing budget though. So the successful ones that are doing virtual webinars depends. I mean, it can be three webinars a month that advisors are utilizing once they knock out the fact that they have a uh, digital footprint, good website, good podcasts, different things, but they could be paying anywhere from $4,000 to $6,000 a month on virtual webinars. But I'll say the ROI is there because although you might only convert one to two of those people per webinar, those individuals are anywhere from one to $3 million of net worth. So in your own town, you might come across three or four people that you bring on as clients, but a lot of those people may have 400,000 to a million to maybe $2 million, which is still fantastic of a customer. But on the long scheme, it really seems like if you're more efficient, the fluent market's there, you're being more efficient on your time. You're having more appointments just virtually, not having to leave your office, drive that 30 minute car windshield car time of conversation. It's just the signs are all showing that you got to have some form of virtual presence that if you're not doing it today, possibly here in the near future, it'd be wise to start to implement that. So, but there's a process to it. That's why we do our our annual call. We figure out based off your resources and then some advisors, it goes back to that sales process. No matter what you're doing to marketing, you got to have the right tools, the right way to overcome objections. Reg BI, and I, we haven't really mentioned it, but I do want to mention that. Reg BI and compliance is a big thing right now because a lot of firms right now are starting to get fined. So I think where our industry is going and where InsureMark has really been a, a huge catalyst in this is we have software tools that literally we have compliance where advisors can log into our Clara platform and all their information is documented, all their information, they're showing best interest for the customers. So that's where it's not always about how can we get in front of the next person. It's about converting that prospect, but also making sure that your business is in business for the next 10, 15 years. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot yeah. that goes into it. I, I love all that. And yeah, you know, Jeremy, thanks so much for being on uh, the show today. If you're listening to this, definitely swing over and check out Jeremy's podcast as well. And, you know, one of the things that I just want to hammer home is, you know, we talked a lot about having a digital presence, having a virtual footprint and you know, you have to just start doing it and you have to do it in a very efficient manner. You know, start recording webinars, use that content, do a podcast, use that content, you know, use that content multiplication idea. And whether you go out and you hire Proudmouth to do it all for you, which is the easiest way to do it, yeah. or just join their training thing and they will teach you everything yeah. that they do, right? They have an academy, they teach you everything. It's it costs next to nothing and um, do it yourself. That kind of goes back to Jeremy's point of if it's 
is this a $50 an hour job or a $2,000 an hour job and what you want to be, but that depends on where your level of practice is. So thanks so much for being on the show today, man. That was a heck of a lot of fun. If you want to let them know, you know, how to connect with you, where to listen to your stuff, all that good stuff. And then we'll wrap it up, man. Absolutely. No, appreciate you letting me on. It's always nice to be on a fellow podcast, although you have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can find um, so InsureMark is our company, but on advisormentorship.com is the website for my advisors. That's where we share best practices. You can learn more about us. Advisor mentorship podcast is the actual podcast of advisors that I have on the show sharing best practices. And you can learn some of the tricks of the tray. I have asked questions. Brad asked phenomenal questions. So I need to take some of those off of uh, off of this episode, translate that to my advisors. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, so just connect with us there. You can go to, like I said, advisormentorship.com, check out the podcast or just on LinkedIn, Jeremy Hauser. So appreciate it, Brad. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot for being on. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.